Well, good morning again. I'm glad that you're here today as we start a new series. I asked my kids this week just through text messages, I said, can you tell me any of your favorite family stories? You know, every family has those stories where the story lives on long after the experience is over. And immediately, Kelly sent back a text that said, oh, Daddy, I remember the story of JoJo. Now, you don't know JoJo, but they remember who JoJo is. I won't go through the whole story, but JoJo was our pet monkey when I was growing up. We had a pet monkey and it got out. And JoJo jumped on the back of our dog and grabbed the dog's collar. And the dog took off running through the neighborhood and it looked like this cowboy riding on a horse <laughs> as the monkey was riding the dog through the neighborhood. Uh, they remembered that story. And then Lauren and Kelly both said, oh, I remember the Red Buddy stories. Now, Red Buddy is just a character that I made up years ago when they were little and every night when, nearly every night when they would go to bed, Daddy, tell, tell me a Red Buddy story. And it was always, you know, just, just a story I made up, fictional character. Red Buddy goes to the lake or Red Buddy, yeah, you know, he goes to the farm or Red Buddy does this, Red Buddy does that. And they remember those stories even today. They still remember Red Buddy. And if we had the time, you could tell your own family stories. I bet you've got a lot of them. Stories that you still tell around the table or you still laugh at. And you say, remember the time? And you tell that family story. Maybe for some of you, your favorite storyteller is your grandma or your grandpa. Because you've heard them tell the story so many times, over and over. Big stories about times when they grew up on the farm during the Great Depression. Or you heard your grandpa telling the story, maybe with a tear in his eye, about fighting in the war. Or you've heard the stories perhaps of when they grew up, they lived in a house with no indoor plumbing. Which of course meant that they had an outdoor bathroom. And there's always a story or two about that. We love stories. We all do. We, it's just part of who we are. We love stories. And some of them are funny, and some of them are happy, and some of them are sad. Some bring smile to our faces. Some bring tears to our eyes. But stories allow the past to live once more. That's one of the reasons we love to hear them. And did you know that Jesus loved to tell stories? It was one of the main reasons, or one of the main ways that He would teach was through stories. Maybe the reason He used stories so much was because people would remember them so well. Cognitive psychologist Jerome Bruner says that we are 22 times more likely to remember a fact when it is wrapped in a story. How about that? So if you're just trying to communicate facts and data to, to somebody, he said the, the best way to do that, if you really want people to know, understand, and remember, wrap it in a story because we all relate and connect to stories. Now, now let me kind of prove this to you for a moment. I bet, if, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I bet you don't remember my sermons, but you remember my stories. Right? I mean, if I were to say, hey, do you remember something that I preached three years ago? I'm probably nobody could raise your hand. But if I said, do you remember a story I shared three years ago? Oh, you could probably do it. And I just want to test the audience to see if this is true. It worked in the first service. If it doesn't work in this service, you guys don't listen very well. <laughs> All right, so, so let's just test this and see if it's true. Do you remember the story that time at Christmas? I thought I was getting a boat. And it wasn't a boat, it was a... Exactly. Hands up. How many remember that story? Folks, that's been 15 years ago at least. And you still remember the story. It's not a boat, it's a coat. I, gotta, I won't go into the story, but it, it, was a, it was a great story. 
I didn't like the ending, but it was a great story. Okay, so, so that's one example. Let me give you one more. Remember the time that I buried the wrong cat? Raise your hand if you remember. Yeah. That was several years ago. I buried the wrong cat. Now, don't worry. It, it was dead. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Just want to make sure that's clear. But you remember those kind of things. Now, if I said, do you remember the time I preached on so-and-so? Probably very few hands would go up. We remember. We connect to stories. And that's one of the main ways that Jesus taught. was through stories. And the Bible calls those stories parables. And today we're beginning a brand new sermon series on the parables of Jesus. All summer, we're going to be looking each Sunday at the parables, not all of them, but seven of the 30 or so parables that Jesus taught in the New Testament. Now, I just want to, since we're going to spend some time this summer in the parables, I I think just for a few minutes it would be good just to pause and to kind of have a crash course, if you will, on parables. A parable is simply a story with a point. It's not just a random story. It's not just a funny story or an interesting story. A parable is a story with a point. It's a story with a lesson. It's a story that's intended to communicate something to you that you need to know. It's a story with a point. In fact, the Greek word is parabole, and it simply means to place one thing beside another so that you can compare those things and learn from the comparison. Now, listen to it again. Parabole literally means to place one thing beside another. So, a parable compares something, look at this, it compares something familiar with something that's not familiar. A parable begins with what a person does understand in order to teach them what they need to understand. Uh, Let me illustrate this with what I have in the bag. Jesus once told a parable, a story about the mustard seed. Now this is not mustard seed. If I had that in my hand, you'd be hard pressed for you to see it. But these are seeds nonetheless. Jesus once told a story using seeds. He started with that which was known the seeds, in order to teach them about that which they did not know, the kingdom of God. So that's what a parable does. A parable takes that which you know to help you understand, learn something you do not know. So the parable of the seeds, the parable of the mustard seeds, was was an important parable because it helped them to understand something about the kingdom of God. Here's what happened. He started with something that they could see so that they could understand that which they could not see. That's the purpose of a parable. Somebody described a parable this way. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Parables, by the way, are fictional stories, but they have spiritual truth. It's a story that uses everyday objects like seeds or everyday relationships in order to teach us spiritual things. Now, a couple more things about parables and then we're going to get into the Scripture. It's interesting to me that Jesus did not invent parables. A lot of times people think, well, you know, Jesus was the one who kind of started that trend. Actually, you'll find parables in the Old Testament. Let me give you just one example. Ezekiel 17, 1 and 2, we're going to put it on the screen. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. Ezekiel was speaking. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set forth an allegory and tell the house of Israel a parable. And you'll see that three or four times in the book of Ezekiel. Tell them this parable. You'll sit in Psalm 78, talking about a parable. You'll sit in Hosea. The concept, the idea of a story or a parable goes back to the Old Testament days. Jesus did not invent parables. 
But he is the only one who used them in the New Testament. And he used them quite often. It is estimated, if you're taking notes, write this down. It is estimated that about one-third of all that Jesus taught, he taught using parables. About a third. And for at least a little while in his ministry, there was a time in his ministry when he almost exclusively used parables. In fact, look at the scripture from Mark. Mark 4.34, he did not say anything to them without a parable. So there was a time when he was almost exclusively using those parables. One last thing about parables, and we're going to open the Scripture. In general, this is very important, make sure you get this. In general, most parables have one central truth. In general, most parables are trying to teach you one thing. One life lesson about the kingdom of God. Now, let me show you that in Scripture. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. It's a great illustration of, of this, what I just told you, how a parable is intended to teach you something, one thing, about the kingdom of God. Uh, Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> I want you to look at verse 1. The Gospel of Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told His disciples a parable, a story. And why did he do that? Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Luke tells us very clearly what the one thing is that Jesus wanted to teach through this story. The one thing he wanted to teach his disciples with this story is that they should always pray and not give up. I want you to say that with me. The the phrase, we should always pray and not give up. Would you say that with me? We should always pray and not give up. Luke chapter 18 is the parable, the story of the persistent widow. And Jesus tells this story for this purpose, for this one thing, that we should always pray and not give up. So when you leave today, the one thing I want you to learn, the one thing I want you to remember, the one thing I want you to take home with you is this. We should always pray and not give up. That's the purpose of a parable. It's to take that which is known... And to help you understand that which is unknown. So, why would Jesus want to teach them this about prayer? That we should always pray and not give up. Well, Jesus knew two things about prayer with absolute certainty. First of all, He knew the value of prayer. One of the reasons He wanted to teach you and me that we should always pray and, and not give up. He knew the value of prayer. I mean, you just read the Gospels and you'll see again and again how he understood the value of prayer because the Bible says early in the morning he went out to pray. And it says in another place, early in the morning he went out by himself to a solitary place to pray. And you see it over and over and over. This idea, because he understood the value of prayer, that Jesus went out by himself early in the mornings to pray. Or the Bible says in another place that he spent all night praying before he chose the disciples. Why did he spend all night praying? It's because he understood the value of prayer. Or do you remember at the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified? What's the one thing that he did then? Three times he was at the Garden of Gethsemane. Three times he went to pray. Because he understood the value of prayer. So he told his disciples a story to help them learn this lesson of how valuable prayer is, that they should always pray and not give up. He knew the value of prayer. He wanted them to know it too. So he told them this parable. The second reason that Jesus uh, 
explain to them about prayer is because he knew that praying persistently and patiently is a real challenge for us. Anybody here honest enough to say, hey, sometimes I struggle with prayer. My hand's up first, by the way. Praying persistently, praying patiently is a real challenge for us. So he told this story. Not only that we should pray, but the Bible says in verse 1, he told this story so that we'd understand we should pray and not give up. See, some of you have been praying for your son or your daughter to come back to God for years. And how long do you have to keep praying that prayer before they come back? Or some of you have been praying for your father to be saved and you keep praying and you're praying every day, but nothing is changing and his heart just seems to be getting harder. Or some of you got a loved one that is terminally ill and you're praying every day and maybe you're praying every night. How long do you have to keep praying before you see a miracle? Or maybe you're, you are a young married couple and you've prayed for years that God would give you a baby. How long do you have to keep praying for that answer to come? Jesus knew how easy it is for us to get discouraged with prayer. Or maybe I should say how easy it is to get discouraged with unanswered prayer. So he tells the story in Luke 18. And let's just read it. We've read the first verse, but let's just read the whole story that he tells. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And here's the parable. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And remember, a parable is always a fictional story with a spiritual truth. So, He's making up this story, but it has a spiritual truth. He said, verse 2, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. That's what she kept asking. For some time he refused. Or you could say it this way, For some time he ignored her. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will they find faith on earth? Now, in order to really understand this parable, I need to tell you two things. And if you don't follow along, this might be a very confusing parable for you. But there are two different kinds of stories that Jesus told. Or there are two different kinds of parables in the New Testament. First of all, one is a parable of comparison. That's the kind we're most familiar with. A parable of, of comparison. For example, the parable of the prodigal son. It's pretty easy for us to look at that parable and to identify the characters and to relate to that story. We can look at the parable of the prodigal son and say, okay, I'm like the son. I'm like the wayward son. I, I sometimes wander from God. And I'm the son in this story. And God, God is like the father. The father who is loving, the father who is waiting, and the father who is wanting us to come home. We can understand that parable of comparison. But if you take that approach with this parable, it's going to be quite confusing. 
Because in this story, if we tried to identify with the characters, we'd say, okay, I'm like the widow. I've got this persistent need. And I keep coming to the judge asking him to give me relief. And we can identify with that, that we've got a need and we keep bringing it to God. But if you continue that approach, we say, okay, but the judge. The judge, this is God? This represents God? This judge that doesn't care about anybody? This judge that is rude? This judge that, that ignores her? This, this judge that is unjust? Is that God? Now, if you were using this as a comparison, uh, we would struggle with that. But that's not what this story is about. Remember, there are two kinds of parables. The first is a parable of comparison. But the second par- type of parable is the parable that is a contrast. That's what we have in Luke chapter 18. In this story, there's a contrast. The story is intended to show us that God is just the opposite of the unjust judge. That yes, if the unjust judge did this, God is just the opposite of him and and he will do this. That's the the contrast, if you will. Let, Let me kind of break down the story for you. First of all, again, this is a fictional story, but it really was a fictional story about a Gentile judge. And the reason we know it was a Gentile judge is because, first of all, in the Jewish court system, there were always three judges. Here, there's one. Also, this judge, it is said, did not fear God or man. And the Jewish judge would certainly be a a man who was a God-fearer. He would be a man who feared God. So, more than likely, in this story that Jesus was telling, it was a Gentile judge. Now, why does that matter? It's because the Gentile judges, because there was only one Uh, that system really lent itself to corruption. Because you're the one guy, uh, you you had the authority to basically take a lot of bribes. And that system was usually very corrupt, that you didn't get justice unless you put something in the hand of the judge. Now, the widow in this story came to him. Of course, she didn't have a whole lot. She was a widow. She didn't have a husband to help her plead her case. She didn't have a lawyer. She, she was a widow coming on her own. She was not a person of, of influence. She likely was not a person who had any money. She was likely not a person who had any power. She was just a widow who had a need. And she was bringing the need to the judge. And, and the judge was quite rude. Probably because she couldn't do anything for him. That is, that she, she didn't have anything to put in his hand. And in fact, the Gentile judges, listen to this, the Gentile judges were often called robber judges. Because you didn't get justice unless you gave him something. So here comes this widow seeking justice against her adversary. And she was persistent. She came the first day, and she came the second day, and she came the third day. And every time she would show up, Your Honor! Give me justice against my adversary. And finally one day, it's like, would you get her out of here? Would you tell her to stop wasting my... And the next week she comes back. And he sees her come in the door and he says, go tell her unless she's got some money in her hand, she needs to go back home. And it went on like this. And every day she kept coming back. Every day she continued to to try to get justice. And the Bible says in verse 4, look at verse 4, for some time... He refused. That, look at that. You see it? For some time, he turned a deaf ear. For some time, he ignored her. For some time, he refused to listen to her. For some time. But one day, one day she walked in the courtroom again. 
And he said to himself, verse 4, but finally he said to himself, not to anybody else, he said it to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, parentheses, I certainly don't care about her, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, notice that phrase, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. You know what this unjust judge was saying? He was saying, this lady's about to wear me out. If I don't, if I don't help her, she's just going to keep coming day after day after day after day. She's just going to get on my nerves. And I'm, I'm kind of on my last nerve as it is. She's wearing me out. And so he gave her the justice that she was asking for. And then here's the punchline. Jesus said in verse 6, Jesus said, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. In other words, as he's telling this story, he's saying to his disciples, hey, 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 did you get what the unjust judge said? Hey, did you catch that? Did you see, as I was telling you this story, did you notice what the unjust judge said? I don't care about her, but to keep her from bothering me, I'm going to give her what she's asking for. Hey guys, did you catch that? That the unjust, ungodly judge who, don't, who doesn't care about anybody, he said, I don't care about her, but to keep her from bothering me, I'm going to give her what she asked for. Did you see that? And then verse 7, here's the contrast. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Jesus is saying, if a heartless, ungodly judge will eventually give in to the request of a lady who he doesn't even care about, don't you think that your heavenly Father is going to respond to your needs? Woodrow Crow wrote a book called When God Doesn't Answer. And he said, if persistence was the key to the unwilling heart of the godless judge, how much more effective will persistence be to the willing heart of God? That's why Jesus begins this story, or Luke begins this story, with saying in Luke 18.1, He told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, there's two important phrases I want you to notice there. Always pray and not give up. Would you say those out loud with me? Always pray and not give up. Let's say it one more time. Always pray and not give up. Can I say to you, likely we live in one of those two places. We're either faithfully praying or we've given up. And it's so easy to give up. It's so easy to stop, but we're probably living, especially if you've got issues in your life, in your home, you've got problems, your situations you're praying about. We're either praying or we're giving up. And sometimes the feeling of giving up on prayer can be a real struggle because you prayed for your loved one and they still died. Or you prayed for God to meet a need and nothing changed. Or you prayed for guidance, but you still can't seem to figure out what to do. And the natural question that we all would ask in those situations is simply this, why do I keep on praying when I don't get an answer? Why should I keep on praying when nothing's changing? Why do I have to pray over and over and over when it seems like God's not listening? 
Well, there are two biblical reasons found in this parable to show us why we should always pray and not give up. Two biblical reasons I want to give you. And the first one is this. Jesus told us to be persistent in our praying. The reason you should always pray and not give up is because Jesus told us that's the way you ought to pray. Always be persistent. And that's exactly what He says in verse 1. He tells them this parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. The word persist in the Webster's Dictionary means to refuse to give up, especially when faced with opposition. It, it is this, this idea, this persistence that you're going to be steadfast, that you're going to continue, that you're going to persevere, that you're going to be tenacious and not give up. Jesus was saying, do not give up in prayer, pray it through. And some of you right now, because of a situation in your family, you need to pray it through. You're praying for your son or daughter. Don't you stop praying for them. You pray it through. You're praying for your husband. Don't you stop praying for that lost husband. You pray it through. And there will be hard days. And there will be lonely times. And there will be times when you question. But Jesus told, told His disciples, listen, it comes down to this. You need to be persistent and pray it through. Uh, let me ask you a question. Make sure you're on the same page with me. Have you ever, have you ever gone to somebody's house and Knocked one time? I doubt it. More than likely, you went to somebody's house. Now, I know they got doorbells, but uh, more than likely, uh, you've gone to somebody's house, and if you've knocked, uh, you probably... And then you wait a minute, and if they don't come, you might even... And if you're convinced they're at home, but they're just not listening or whatever, you might... You don't usually just go to a house and one time. Have you ever called somebody and let it ring just one time? Probably not intentionally. Now, there's been a few times where it's like, oh, I didn't mean to call them. And you're trying to, <laughs> you know, you're, you're trying to turn it off. Uh, that, that's happened more times than I can count. But if I'm intentionally calling somebody, I usually don't let it ring one time. Oh, he wasn't there. No, you call him, you let it ring, and you let it ring, and you let it ring until it goes to voicemail. We understand the need, as Jesus said in Matthew 7. We understand the need in our world to keep on knocking. To keep on letting it ring. And Jesus used that same principle in Matthew 7. He, talking about prayer, He said, ask. And the tense of the language there means ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. He's saying when you pray, you've got to be persistent in praying. So don't get discouraged and don't quit. But keep on knocking, keep on seeking, keep on asking. And sometimes that's hard to do. Let's, let's be honest. Sometimes that's hard to do because nothing seems to be happening. And in those times when it just seems like you're waiting and nothing is changing, there's three different struggles you'll probably wrestle with. One or all of those. Some of you will wrestle with the struggle uh, of faith. That is, as you're wrestling through this praying, trying to be persistent, the answer is, is just not coming. And when the answer doesn't come, we wonder, well, maybe I just don't have enough faith. And you struggle with this idea of faith. Maybe, maybe I've let doubt take over. Maybe, maybe the problem is me. Maybe the reason God hasn't answered is because I don't have enough faith. For some of you, as you try to be persistent in prayer, the struggle might be with, with guilt. Satan will say to you over and over, why are you praying? He's not going to answer your prayer. Not after what you've done. Not after 
the life you lived. Why would you think he wants to answer your prayer and you're racked with guilt and you're really thinking about quitting even praying about that issue because you're not worthy of him to even answer that prayer. And for others, as you struggle trying to be persistent in prayer, the issue may be uncertainty. Your struggle might be with uncertainty. Doubt and confusion have set in your heart and you just feel lost because you've prayed and you prayed and you prayed. You just don't know what to do about it anymore. You just don't know, where do I go from here? I mean, I've prayed and I've prayed and you just kind of feel lost and uncertain. Somebody came to Daniel Boone, the famous frontiersman one time, and asked him, have you ever gotten lost in the wilderness? He said, no, I've never been lost. I've been bewildered for weeks at a time, but I've never been lost. Some of you know what it's like to be bewildered for weeks at a time. Or months at a time. It's like, Lord, I keep praying. But I just feel like I'm ready to quit. And the point of the story in Luke chapter 18 is this. You might be bewildered. And you might be discouraged. And you might feel like you want to give up. But don't give up. Look up. Don't give in to despair. Turn to prayer. Jesus said in verse 1, we should always pray and not give up. Yeah, yeah, but pastor, but, but you, you know, but what about, he said we should always pray and not give up. Now the second reason to keep on praying and not give up is this. Praying over and over focuses my attention on God. This is so important. Now I'll admit to you, listen to me church, there's a lot about prayer I don't understand. There's a lot about prayer I can't explain to you, okay? I'm going to admit that to you. There's a lot about prayer that is just a big question mark for me. But one thing I do understand is this. When you pray persistently, when you're praying over and over and over for an issue in your life, what that is actually doing is keeping your heart and your mind focused on God. And that's in the text. As Jesus tells this story, look at verses 4 through 7 as He explains this unjust judge and He contrasts that with your heavenly Father. For some time He refused this unjust, ungodly judge But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And then he says, verse 7, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, watch this, who cry out to him. Who cry out to Him. One of the things that come out of persistent praying is that it keeps your heart and your mind focused on Him. Every morning as you open your Bible and you begin to pray, you're focusing your heart and mind on Him. You're acknowledging that He is the source of your strength. You're acknowledging that He is the source of the answers that you need. You're acknowledging that it will never come from your hand. It will only come from His hand. And every day as you're praying and waiting, and it is hard to do that sometimes, but you're praying and waiting and wondering why He hasn't responded, at least, at least one thing that you're doing is keeping your heart and mind focused on Him. When you pray over and over and over about something, it's not to remind God. God doesn't need to be reminded. It's to remind yourself who is the source of your answer and who is the source of all of your needs. You're praying to remind you that it is God 
you need. You see, the goal of persistent prayer is not to beat God over the head and finally get God's attention and and convince God to do something. The focus of persistent prayer is to keep your heart focused on God. And the reason that we struggle with that kind of praying is because it tests our faith. It really does. Have you ever been in a hurry when God's not in a hurry? It's a hard place to be. It's a frustrating place to be. To be in a hurry when God's not... But God's timetable is perfect, isn't it? He's never early, He's never late, but His timetable is perfect. So Jesus said in this parable, Luke 18, He said, let me tell you a story, and here's the one lesson I want you to learn. Always pray, and don't give up. You're not wasting time when you do that. Always pray, and not give up. But I've been praying for a long time, Pastor. Always pray. And not give up. But I'm still waiting on God to change His heart. Always pray and not give up. You see, this parable was not intended to answer all of your questions about prayer. This parable was not intended to to help you understand why you have to wait. This parable was intended to help you with one lesson that you need to put in your life this week. Always pray and don't give up. I can't explain to you why God hasn't answered it yet. I can't explain to you why you're still sick. I can't explain to you why your husband has not come to faith in Christ. But I can explain one thing. Jesus said, let me tell you a story. And the thrust of the story is this. You need to always pray. And never give up. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you two personal questions. And the reason I want you to bow your heads is because I just want you to think about those questions. I want you to be distracted by anything. The two questions I want to ask you are very personal questions. And so here's the first one. You don't need to respond out loud. You don't need to raise your hand. I just want you to think about it and respond to it privately. Here's the first question. If you feel discouraged today, ask yourself this question. Have I stopped praying persistently? Maybe you haven't stopped praying completely. But have you just kind of given up? Just kind of put it to the side and occasionally you'll mention it to the Lord. But the question is, have I stopped praying persistently? I believe that sometimes prayer changes you first before it changes your situation. Or before God changes somebody else. Maybe God wants to change something in your life first. So the first question is, have I stopped praying persistently? Some of you say, yes I have. And and I'm defeated and I'm discouraged. And perhaps that's part of the reason. You stop taking it to the Lord. Have I stopped praying persistently? And for some of you, you would say, no, no, I'm still praying every day. I'm praying every morning. I'm praying every night. Keep it up. Do not stop praying. Here's the second question related to that. The second question I want you to ask yourself is this. Do I trust my feelings or do I trust my Father? Feelings will change. Your Father, your Heavenly Father never will. Jesus said, if the unjust, ungodly judge will eventually meet the needs of this persistent widow, don't you think your heavenly Father will take care of you? 
Again, the purpose of the parable is not to answer all of our questions about prayer or to give us reasons why we have to wait on God and why we're going through this. Those are very legitimate questions, but that's not the purpose of this parable. The purpose of this parable is to show you and to show me we should always pray and not give up. So don't give up on God. And don't give up on prayer. And make Colossians 4 2 a verse to live by. It says, Devote yourselves to pray, being watchful and thankful. This week, would you do that? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Watching for God to move and thankful that you can bring this issue to His concern. I'm going to ask you right now, as we're waiting, as we're heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you, some of you perhaps have a burden on your heart, and man, you've been praying about it and praying about it. It might be related to you, it may be related to somebody in your family, it might be a close personal friend. But, but you've got this burden, and you've been praying about it, but maybe you're not persistent with it anymore. Maybe you're just so defeated and discouraged, you quit praying about it. Today, we're going to just kind of invite you to this altar. Just let this be a time of prayer where you practice Colossians 4.2, where we don't just remember this verse, but we try to live it out. Devote yourselves to pray, being watchful and thankful. You see, this place here is where you can meet with God and, and you can say, God, I just want to reaffirm I'm not giving up on you. And I'm not giving up on prayer. And I'm going to remember this one lesson. Always pray and never stop. So you just come on. You just get up wherever you are. Come join us here at the altar. And you just pray. Others are moving. You can join them. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. This is the time for you to pray. Pray about something you've prayed about for years. But one more time, you're going to acknowledge God and say, Lord, I trust you. I love you. And I believe you. The altar is full of people. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing and, and I invite you to come join them. I'm going to sing a couple of stanzas at least to give you time to come and to pray and not be rushed. Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them and us they should always pray and not give up. Father, thank You for showing us and teaching us Your Word today and for encouraging us to continue to come to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.